When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur. This week, I'm talking to Danny Kelly of The Ringer, and we are going to talk about Jalen Ramsey on DK Metcalf, Shane Waldron, the Seahawks offensive coordinator who used to work for the Rams. We're going to talk about where does Cooper Cup rank among all the NFL wide receivers so far this season? Talk a little bit about the Rams wide receiver situation and Robert Woods and moving forward with the offense there. And we're going to talk about whether or not the Seahawks and Rams are making the right decision, trading all of these first round picks for veteran players. Danny Kelly is an NFL writer at the ringer as he has been for several many years now as well as uh danny i'm gonna let danny speak for himself here danny uh are you doing the weekly podcast uh what where, where can people find you and look for you right now yeah so i'm doing nfl coverage at the ringer.com i do a fantasy podcast called the ringer fantasy football show uh like four times a week so you can find that on spotify or wherever you podcast and Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. Yeah, I think that covers it for the most part. That's a good coverage. Speaking of coverage, (laughs) uh, uh, speaking of coverage, uh, Stefan Gilmore released or traded or whatever, you know, Stefan Gilmore and Jalen Smith of the Cowboys. Before we get into those topics, since this is some breaking news, Danny, uh, what is your opinion of uh, Stefan Gilmore in 2021 uh, in terms of like the expectations of his health and everything like that? And, you know, given yeah. the absolute needs of so many teams right now at cornerback, what are your expectations for where he'll go? It sounds like he wants to play for the Packers, or at least that's sort of uh, one of the first early reports. And it's going to, and we're, and we'll find out today if he gets traded because a lot of the times teams will announce they're going to release a player and then they can't do it for a few hours. I think, I think it's not until 1 PM Pacific time today. And today is Wednesday that they'll end up like officially letting him go. So that sometimes this is like a way to fish and, and get some offers. So we'll see if he gets traded, but um, yeah, the Packers uh, who else, the Buccaneers certainly yeah. could be an option because, you know, they've got like three or four guys that are hurt at this point. Um and so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. He had a torn quad. I don't really know a lot about like <laughs> the likelihood that he's going to come back fully from that. You know, it's not necessarily like a super common injury, but he's you obviously, your, you know, he started. Uh, if you tear your quad, does that become an eighth? <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because it's not like, again, it's not like an ACL where it's like, oh, one year out, he'll be back to health. You know, yeah. it's, I, I really don't know. Like there's probably not quite as much research into it or whatever. So he was on the PUP list to start the year. That's obviously not a great thing, but, um, yeah. and he's 31. So it's not like a spring chicken necessarily. However, he's so good. You know, I think he'll be fine. And we saw Richard Sherman come back and play well from an Achilles after coming back from an Achilles injury. Um, you know, that just the medical advancements in terms of like getting back from injury seem like pretty solid these these days and so i would be confident that he's going to be able to play um 
It is a little bit weird that the Patriots released him or are going to release him if they don't end up trading him just because, you know, they could use a player of his caliber. But I guess they're kind of just trying to turn the page and and uh, Brady or sorry, Belichick in the in the past has always been, you know, the kind of guy who's ready to move on from a, a veteran yeah. a year before he declines kind of deal. So, yeah, we'll see how it all goes. But I think the Bucks and the and the Packers really make the most sense. At right you know like out right out the gates Seahawks could certainly use them too but doubt they'll do that yeah there's uh there's certainly teams out there that would uh looking around you don't typically find starting caliber cornerbacks of desirable no uh, no <laughs> right. in the middle of a year so uh any team out there I mean when it gets to the points that the Bucks did have to sign Richard Sherman this year and to start him days within signing him you know, uh, it's so surprising for a team yeah. that I remember watching the Super Bowl going like, oh man, these cornerbacks are pretty good, you know, just give them a few more years. And now Tampa Bay is, uh, you know, out there. Oh, here uh, we go. The Panthers traded for Stefan Gilmore. Oh, wow. So boom, <laughs> there you go. Right after. Yeah. The Panthers Henderson. Yeah. This is interesting. So let's see who, who do the Panthers have. Cause I know that they have, a, they have like a young up and coming defense, but they also, you know, I'm sure they could use some good veteran depth at those positions let's see and obviously jc horn is out for an extended period of time dante jackson um cj henderson i guess yeah that that's another option aj bouye um and then the rookie keith taylor so oh that's interesting this is yeah. gonna be a good defense for the panthers yeah yeah uh i i can't get we can't get off track all of a sudden now it's like yeah that's very <laughs> The Panthers are, are interesting for sure. You know, you see what happens with uh, with some more difficult games on their schedule. We saw in week four, the Panthers didn't necessarily yeah. play their best ball uh, that week. So, uh, but defensively, you know, teams like the C by the you know teams like the Seahawks and Rams. By the way, this is one thing that I think uh, you have to talk about with uh, fan bases of either one of those teams a lot, which is, and we'll get to this later, which is just like. When you look at the Panthers, it's like, yeah, the Panthers have a really good defense. And you go like, oh, yeah, Derek Brown was like a pretty early draft pick. And yep. uh, Brian Burns was a pretty early draft pick. And, you know, these are these are things that the, the Rams and Seahawks don't have. So uh, that is why <laughs> right. Right. they trade two draft picks for Jalen Ramsey. This is why they trade two draft picks for Jamal Adams, because they're saying, hey, if we get two late first round picks, maybe it's kind of like getting a thing. Although I was thinking about how when you do that at a certain point, when it doesn't work out, uh, like say the Seahawks and Jamal Adams, isn't necessarily not working mm -hmm. out, but you could also just as easily say, why didn't the Seahawks just stay in the 2021 draft, then trade their 2022 pick to move up for Micah Parsons or something like that. Right. Like it's a yeah, I mean, way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think for the Rams, honestly, I don't know. I guess it makes sense for both teams because look, the NFL is a cyclical thing. Um, teams will realize they've got a certain window to try and win it all. And for some, and certainly the Rams have decided basically, look, we're not going to wait around for our young players to develop and, and become elite level pros, right? Like it sometimes, typically, almost always, it takes a few years for guys to like get to that level. And so when you have a roster or, or a team that's ready to compete for the Super Bowl, sometimes teams are just like, hey, look, we're going to kick the can down the road in terms of like, you know, our solid foundation and, and let like use those picks and we're going to go all out and try and win now. And then we'll figure it out later. Um, 
And, you know, so I think in terms of the Rams, like I actually like what the Rams are doing. And I think they could win a Super Bowl this year. Um, I think the Seahawks, they've just been so bad at picking in the first round over the last like five years or whatever it is that, you know, you can sort of almost uh, rationalize their decision to like trade two firsts for Jamal Adams or trade a first for Percy Harvin or whoever, you know, because they've just been so bad. And honestly, they're picking late in the first round. So a lot of times like the, the talent, like in any given draft, you know, there's usually like 15 really good blue chip players that like are, that look like sure bets. And then the rest of it is sort of just like a coin flip. Um, now that being said, you can't expect a team that trades away or that trades a lot of it's like draft capital away to have like a really solid young foundation to build on going forward. That's like, and you see it happen all the time. Like teams get really top heavy. The Seahawks are, I think at this point are pretty top heavy. There's like a few star players and then a bunch of no namers. And they're trying to like, kind of like fill, fill the gaps with these random guys that maybe aren't so good. And so yeah. um, the Rams are going to run into that too, where you're like leaning on Aaron Donald and, um, you know, a couple star players, Rams, Ramsey and Donald, and then the rest of your team is going to be filled out with like late round picks, guys that signed on their second contract, guys that like got let go elsewhere, veteran like middle age, uh, not middle age, but middle class veterans. In other words, not the high price veterans, but you know, two and three million per year type guys. And so, I don't know. It's it's it, there's no easy way, and there's no one way to 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 build a team in the NFL, but. Um, that's clearly the route like Seahawks and Rams are going. So it's interesting. But it's like, also, I think people, when you say it that way too, it just reminds me that people have to address the fact that every team has to, uh, to build in a different way because the NFL punishes teams for being good and it rewards teams for being bad because it wants to create Mm -hmm. parity. And so, but at the same time, you keep seeing guys like Trevor Lawrence go to the Jaguars and you just go like, is this really the solution? Is this really what we want to do to Trevor Lawrence? Is this really what we think (laughs) is the right way to, uh, you know, to put all the pressure on the best young players to carry the teams that are, I mean, clearly some franchises just don't work well. And, uh, uh, and so other teams though, you know, like, uh, will like the Steelers, the Patriots, the Rams, the Seahawks, uh, now you can say like the chiefs and, and so on and so forth. Like the Steelers haven't had a top 10 pick, which looks like that'll change, you know, in like 30 years. Uh, but like, right. um, it's just so interesting. Cause yeah, you have to become more and more, you have to keep changing your strategy based on how well you yep. did the year before kind of. Yeah. Um, and I think. You know, that's that's something that the Patriots have done forever, sort of zig while everyone else is zagging. And yeah. the Seahawks did it early in the Pete Carroll era. Like they had their their whole little MO where they're going like, we're going to get what we think are undervalued guys, long corner, tall corners. Everyone, not everyone is going for these guys. They typically want you to be like way faster. So we're going to go after these guys. And that worked for a few years. And then everyone sort of adapts. Now everyone's going for that. And then you don't get the value. So um, every, like I said, everything is cyclical in the NFL. And if you're, yeah. at the, if you're at the top, you have to adapt, you have to try new things. You have to zig whenever one else is zagging, if you really want to get value or, you know, kind of like figure out ways to get a cheat code type deal. So, um, yeah, that's why it's what makes the NFL so fascinating. If I may real quick, you know, real quick answer, uh, undervalued right now, what's the best position to go get some good value out of? That's a good question. Undervalued. I guess like my first reaction would be like slot corners. 
Mm. They, it's, it doesn't seem like it's the NFL is caught up to the idea that you have to defend a uh, slot receiver, yeah. <laughs> even though NFL teams are running 11 personnel, three receiver sets, like at all time high levels. Um, slot receivers aren't getting paid very much at all. They seem to be sort of like a throw in for a lot of defenses. Yeah. And if you have a really good slot corner, I feel like that's a pretty big impact player. So I think I feel like slot corners are definitely undervalued right now. Danny, you know what I call that? What's call that? that? A perfect segue. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey has played 56% of his snaps this season in the slot. Uh, there we go. There we go. That's <laughs> Last awesome. year, he was at 17%. The year before that, he was at 9%. And as you can imagine, Jalen Ramsey was not a 10% slot guy up until last year and then that was a little bit and this this whole star role that uh, Brandon Staley brought to the Rams put Ramsey in there and now uh, Brandon Staley is head coach of the Rams uh, excuse me the Chargers uh, Jalen Ramsey has been playing a lot of time in the slot because you know he'll move mm. around as the thing as the defense needs him I think that that has created more opportunities for Jalen Ramsey to be a playmaker he's going to have more turnovers this year he's going to have more tackles this year i think he'll be more involved in run defense and he'll be more involved in the whole game because he is one of the rams and one of the most talented players in the league uh mm-hmm. that means also though that sometimes he's not lined up on a, an nfl team's best receiver uh the jalen ramsey dk metcalf matchup is one that we've gotten to enjoy here for the last couple of years uh even as dk metcalf is very early in his career and jalen ramsey isn't always covering dk metcalf what are your expectations for Jalen Ramsey uh, versus DK Metcalf? And, and what do you think DK Metcalf needs to do at this point to become a top five receiver in the same way that Ramsey is a top five corner? Yeah, um, it's going to be very interesting. I think that Ramsey will match up with Metcalf some of the time, you know, based on the way that the Rams have used Ramsey this season, they haven't been tra- having him travel with receivers full time is well, the way I understand it. I was reading uh, Mike Clay does a shadow column like where he, he tracks like uh corners versus receivers in terms of like who's going to shadow whom and and he's saying that ramsey hasn't necessarily shadowed he didn't necessarily shadow deandre hopkins they'll end up on each other during the game it's it's going to be inevitable but yeah um in the past like ramsey would follow dk around the whole game i don't know if that's going to happen this week and as you said like might be just because they line them up in the slot sometimes and so um I don't know if that's necessarily going to be like the marquee matchup that it has been in the past. However, it's going to be fun to see him go toe to toe when they do end up lining up against each other. Um, Ramsey, I think right now, obviously you, I mean, you said top five, he might be like top one, top two yeah. defensive back in the NFL. He's so good. He's just so versatile and, and dynamic and physical and athletic and, and everything that you really want from the position. So um, I would say he has a certain, certainly has the edge over Metcalf, who I think, like you mentioned, he's still kind of coming up in the league. Um, if I had to point to a few things that I think he could improve on um, and kind of he needs to take a jump in are, well, first of all, he his drops, I think, are still an issue. You know, or not like a major issue, but like he still will drop a few passes here and there. Um, his hands, I, I would say, are not like yeah. extremely reliable. Um, he's had a few drops on easy plays this year. He's had a, a couple issues with ball control you know going back last year and the year before like th- there was a play like he got leon leaded where he was like jogging into the end zone and someone punched it out of his hands and you know like that's always frustrating so he, he has a few of these like young player frustrating moments um but also moments where he's like one of the most physically dominant receivers in the nfl so i think if he can get more consistent with his hands 
and just his overall focus um, where, you know, he's not getting, he's not having those boneheaded plays. There's been a couple um, plays this year where he gets a little too amped up and like, uh, you know, he drew a, a penalty for taunting or whatever, like the, the new rules are. And, you know, he just needs to kind of like be more focused and be more, um, I guess like have that veteran savvy to like know when to turn that on and stuff. So, but overall, you know, I think he's still ascending. I think he's a elite talent. Um, he can, he can score a touchdown pretty much any play. Like it, it, you know, that's the kind of player he is. You just, you have to have, have an eye on him wherever he is on the field. Um, but I would say, yeah, consistency hands and focus are kind of like the ways that he can make a jump. Yeah, you could say that Jalen Ramsey, you kind of described him as a unicorn uh, based mm-hmm. on everything that he does that no other, you know, to have all those attributes that so few corners in the NFL have. Um, even, I mean, even looking at a guy like Stefan Gilmore, since we brought him up earlier today, you look at a guy like that who won defensive player of the year, and I still don't think you could put him in the same class as Jalen Ramsey in terms of what they can totally do. Um, yeah. And DK Metcalf is also a unicorn. There's been so few guys of his size and stature. And it's, it's interesting, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that he will become uh, yeah, a top one or top three receiver, but there's that unicorn stuff. Do you see that uh, just quickly? Like, um, does it make as much sense to you that the ran that the Seahawks viewed Jamal Adams as a unicorn sort of in the same way as Ramsey? No, <laughs> not at all. Not even a little. I mean, I think that I think that uh, Jalen uh, Jamar, uh, sorry, Jamal Adams is a good player. I think he's yeah. a very good player. However, I, there's just like no comparison. Like Ramsey is on a whole different plane, a whole different level. Um, he's the type of guy that you know, like, completely tilts the defense. Like he he has that game changing talent, that skill set to lock down a player, take him out of the game you know, make it, make an offense one dimensional and Jamal Adams, honestly, he's like a good dynamic player, but I don't, I don't really know like how much he actually impacts the Seahawks defense in terms of like, yeah, at the bottom line, like, are they going to score fewer points? Cause he's on the field. Like Jalen Ramsey is, like I said, he will make another team one dimensional. Like if they have two really good receivers, you can take one off the board basically if you want. Um, and so yeah, no, I would say they're not. There's not really any comparison, unfortunately. I, th- I think the Seahawks did see that, see it that way, you know, based on what they gave up for him and the in the contract they gave him. But yeah, I don't think we've seen that on the field. I mean, it just hasn't yeah. happened. You know, it's this very simplistic way to put it, maybe. But I feel like uh, as a cornerback, like Jalen Ramsey, doesn't have a ton of intercept interceptions. But as a cornerback, I feel like yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean at like a ton if you have like. But as a safety, for some reason, maybe I'm just thinking of Ed Reed. I'm just like, you got to be a ball hawk. You got to turn yeah. over. You got to get the ball. If you're going to be a safety, you really have to impact, you know, yeah, in that way. Uh, and the Seahawks had totally. that before with with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, just sort of those devastating playmakers. Um, so uh, we'll see if either Ramsey or Adams uh, make a big play this Thursday night, Seahawks, Rams, Thursday. Night. I don't even think I said that Seahawks and Rams Thursday. I don't know. Yeah. People, people probably understand that by now that the Seahawks and Rams are playing Thursday night. Um, and so, yeah, Ramsey and Metcalf, I'm hundred percent sure that the broadcast will bring that up at least once. Um, yeah. They'll also bring up the other connect, another connection here between the Rams and the Seahawks, which is Shane Waldron, 
Um, yeah. Katie, where, where do you stand in terms of like coaching uh, in the NFL in terms of following the up and coming names? Would you say that Shane Waldron um, is one of those guys that uh, you had a, a lot of interest in prior to last year? Or um, do you see sort of where the McVeigh uh, coaching tree has sort of branched out and the impact it's had on the league? Do you see that happening yeah. in Seattle? Well, I'd say that Staley, Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, is certainly a much more, um, you know, high profile and, and obviously he's done a great job already. And, and people are starting to kind of catch on that he's like potentially going to turn into like, you know, not the next McVay necessarily because he's a defensive coach, but um, yeah. that kind of level, like where you're talking about like a wonderkind type guy where, you know, he's sort of like taking over and everyone starts copying him. I think he's definitely on that trajectory with Waldron. I think being connected to McVeigh and having the McVeigh scheme as sort of the platform that he's building his career, I think that's certainly good. And I think the times we've seen so far this season, I'd say bottom line, like the jury's still out on Waldron. I don't really know yet what to make of him, but the times we've seen the Seahawks running what I think is like what you'd call the, the Rams offense this year it's been really good. Like it's been exciting and mm -hmm. you know, their offense, like when they're doing under center stuff, a lot of play action, a lot of pre-snap motion, um, throwing it deep and running the ball. Well, like all that stuff that you kind of expect for the Rams offense. Like when we've seen that, it's been really nice. It's been sort of like a breath of fresh air because the Seahawks offense has been a bit, you know, hit or miss last couple of seasons. Obviously the beginning of last season, it was going scorched earth on everybody. And then it kind of screeched to a halt in the second half. And unfortunately, I would say there's been a lot of inconsistency again this year. You know, like whether we're talking about from half to half, the first three games, the Ducks started out really hot, um, scoring a ton. And then in the second half of the game, they totally fell apart. And this has happened in the first three games. And then in the last game, they couldn't do absolutely anything in the first half. Um, and then they came, you know, they came to life in the second half. So it's been it's been, you know it's been kind of like the typical Pete Carroll thing where you, I don't like, you never really know what to expect from the offense. So in that sense, I guess it's been a little disappointing. Um, but overall, I'm still pretty bullish on Waldron in terms of like what he can bring for the offense. And if they kind of like work out some of the kinks, iron things out. Um, I think I, I like the scheme and I, and I think, you know, based on what we saw last week, he did make some adjustments in, in, in game, which was a, a worry based on the first three games. Um, so again, it's, you know, jury's still out, but I think it's going in the right direction. For the Rams fans out there, just a quick little update on the Seahawks. Obviously, you're still going to see Russell Wilson at quarterback, and he'll be the one uh, running that Shane Waldron, Sean McVay offense with an offensive line uh, that still includes Dwayne Brown at left tackle. We also have Damian Lewis at left guard, Kyle, Fullett's, Kyle Fuller at center, the Seahawks acquired Gabe Jackson, right guard from the Raiders in the offseason and at right tackle. If Brandon Shell is active, he would be playing on Thursday night. Other night, otherwise, it would be Cedric Ogbue looking for Chris Carson as the back as the running back, as usual, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as the receivers. Uh, Seattle uh, may also utilize Alex Collins at running back. He did that last mm -hmm. week. Um, and they, they're still searching for maybe a number three receiver or a standout tight end. We'll see if Gerald Everett comes off the COVID list uh, today. I don't, I haven't seen him come off of it and the game is on Thursday. So I'm assuming maybe he does not going to play, but I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and the Seahawks. What I heard was, are you talking about uh, Gerald Everett? Yeah. Gerald Everett. Sorry. What, 
Yeah, he, I think what I heard yesterday was he had one negative test. So if he gets another negative test today, which is Wednesday, he has a chance to play. So, oh. but we'll see. I Well, thank you for uh, that then. I know now. And uh, <laughs> that's where I, the guy who runs the Rams website, that's where I get my information uh, through Danny over, over uh, <laughs> uh, podcasts. Uh, but thank you for that uh, information there. So then, yeah, I'll uh, keep an eye on Gerald Everett's COVID status um, and the Seahawks have a terrible defense and we won't talk about it, I guess. Uh, so uh, the Rams don't have much to brag about either on that side of the ball. So it should be potentially a lot of scoring unless Thursday night screws that up. Um, last Which thing, could happen. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Three words, Danny, what are your feelings on Thursday night football? Three words. Yeah. Very weird stuff about that. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I don't know. It's always just you never know what to expect. Really? Um, I mean, really. The matchups have been pretty good, though, honestly. I, I felt like the games have been better maybe just over the last year and a half than they were. Maybe team, maybe like teams and coaches are kind of adapting to playing, having to play on short weeks a little bit better than they had been um, early on in like the process. So I, I honestly just kind of felt like the games have been better than they used to be. You know, it helps. It just feels like if you're going to have the Jaguars and Bengals, which is usually, which was last week's game. I mean, almost a hundred percent of the time that sucks. That's like, Oh, Jaguars and Bengals. Right. But now right. you've got Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, you know, it's like uh, all of a sudden it's like, okay, there's like some more, it feels like each team is getting maybe because there's more first round quarterbacks. Now it feels like each team has a little bit more interest level almost even though uh it's an oh for sure yeah for the jags and bagels they both had the number one pick of the last two years yeah 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 i um, totally agree yeah just more quarterbacks it's just i mean better football honestly so yeah and we're gonna see like we saw 15 teams change quarterbacks uh compared to week one last year i mean i think it'll be another 15 or 16 next year uh, there's just so much more turnover crazy we didn't even talk about Matthew Stafford. We didn't even talk about the future of Russell Wilson. And there is so much crazy stuff happening uh, for another time then. Yeah. Um, Cooper Cup, NFC Offensive Player of the Month in September. Uh, didn't do anything much in week four against uh, the Cardinals. Uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, what do you, I mean, Byron Murphy, do you think he's a, a becoming a shutdown corner, by the way? Um, I mean, what I've seen, what I've seen from him. Yeah. I think he's definitely been really good. He, I, I know this, I, I haven't studied him closely, um, like specifically, but like he was one of my favorites coming into the draft that mm -hmm. year. So it was like two years ago now, I think I yeah. had him like way higher than every, I, I had him in like the top 15 or something like that. Ridiculous. He ended up going in the second round, I believe. 33rd. Um, okay. So it's just so barely the close. second round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, but I think I'm honestly pretty sure I had him like top 10. So I would be not surprised if he's doing well, put that way. But I haven't, I have not said him like specifically. There's yeah. Three interceptions in his last two games, including that one off of Matthew wow. Stafford. Um, but you do have a fantasy football podcast. You do uh, track a lot of that fantasy stuff. So that must mean that you've talked a lot about Cooper cup and maybe, yeah. even, Ro and maybe even Robert Woods. Um, yeah. And maybe even Van Jefferson. So what are your thoughts on LA's wide receiver core, where they're standing? Um, where does Cooper yeah. Cup rank for you right now? I mean, he's up there. He's certainly, you know, the way that they're using him, the connection he has with Matt Stafford, he's like a top three receiver clearly in the NFL right now in fantasy. And I mean, I guess you could make the argument just based on 
production and reliability and you know big plays when they need it he's definitely i think you could put him in like the top 10 among receivers just in general like football talent and skill it's so hard because there's so many good receivers in the nfl if you really sit down and try to make a list it's like you got the new guys dk metcalf justin jefferson cd lamb um you know all those guys and you got like the veterans you have the mid-level guys dj moore you have the veterans like uh you know Devontae adams and hopkins it's just like there's a million really good receivers so putting him in that list is is a daunting challenge i'd say but he's um you know he's been everything ad, ad, as advertised like yeah. during the preseason all that stuff like i think he's just really good like route running um mm-hmm. and you know his ability to get open and, and understand what the defense is doing and run a route based on that and, and obviously the connection with stafford is huge i'm still pretty bullish like i'm starting to lose a little bit of faith and confidence in it but like it does feel like robert woods is like breakout is gonna it's coming mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the way that they're using him the routes the number of routes he's running he's still playing a ton he's still running mm-hmm. a ton of routes um and I know that McVeigh talked about it this week. Like basically, you know, he wants to get Woods involved and he understands McVeigh understands that, you know, if you, if you funnel your offense through one player, like, like they're doing with cup, sometimes it doesn't work because the defense can work to take it away. You have to have counter punches. You have to have other guys involved. And it's just easier on an offense. If you have multiple weapons that you can use at, that you have at your disposal. So I think he was saying, basically, look, we're going to try and get him more involved. We know it. And he's been, he's like, I think he was use the word intentional. I want to be intentional about getting him involved. So I'm generally optimistic and I think he's still a good player. I don't think he's like falling off a cliff or anything. It's mm-hmm. just been kind of like, it's, it's been sort of a strange thing because I think, you know, maybe it's just a new quarterback is he's laser focused on the guy he has the best chemistry with. And as he builds more chemistry with Robert Woods, maybe that will change. I, I still think that cup is clearly the number one though. Woods is a good number two. And then with Jefferson, you know, we heard a lot of good stuff about his connection with Stafford on like deep mixes or deep, deep throws, mixing in the deep passes and things like that on play action. Mm-hmm. And that's shown up. I think that's, I think he's still kind of like a role player at this point and, and like a good reliable role player. And then I think obviously like mixing in with Deshaun Jackson um, gives them like a good third option in the offense. So um, that's kind of how I feel. I think, I think Woods's day is coming though. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems like that has to happen just to to some degree, just because Robert Woods. I mean, there was there's no not as you said, there doesn't seem to be any sign of slowing down. It just seems like he hasn't gotten the ball, and uh, that would uh, behoove the Rams. Maybe do you, do you think there's any amount of uh, coaching in the NFL that says I'm not going to show you what I've got planned for December when it's September. Do you think there's any amount of like coaching that says I'm going to hold back certain plays or certain players yeah. and then unleash them later in the year? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think on some level, I think it's like, you know, it's, you know, I have to win games to get to the playoffs. You have to win games to secure your spot in the division, all that stuff. So you can't hold back everything, but I would just, I would assume, yeah, some coaches have, you know, a plan in place where they're working towards like, this is the stuff we're going to be wanting to like utilize late in the season. We're going to save that. Um, But I mean, it's not like a lot. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, they're saving half the playbook for later in the season. It'd probably be like the top, like 3% of the playbook that they really want to kind of like wait and work with. And, you know, week to week um, teams tend to do this. Like you, you make adjustments of your offense based on little things that you're doing. So in other words, like you running, you run the same 
looks, the same concepts out of different looks, and you're mixing it up, making it harder for the defense to identify what you're doing. Um, that'd be more what I what I would assume teams are doing is basically like disguising the the core concepts differently each week, if that makes any sense. So like we're gonna run this certain concept that we like, but we're gonna line up in a different personnel group and we're gonna line up in a different formation and run the same concept. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the things that they're doing. Well, we'll see what happens uh, this Thursday night between the Seahawks and the Rams. Uh, The Seahawks are two and two. The Rams are three and one. So if Seattle wins, then all of a sudden the Rams fall uh, to maybe third or even uh, fourth, depending on what happens with the 49ers who play the Cardinals this week. And if the Rams win, then all of a sudden it's four and one. And, you know, you can just move Mm -hmm. on uh, past last week's loss. Uh, both the Seahawks and Rams have immense talent at key positions, as well as uh, terrifying uh, holes on the roster that could right. uh, cost either team a chance to the playoff. I don't even know. I don't think the Rams are going to miss the playoffs. Seahawks might miss the playoffs, but I don't think. They're yeah, gonna miss the I would. Playoffs. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. The Seahawks, they seem more tenuous to me. Yeah. And uh, feelings could change. Teams start one and three or two and four and make the playoffs. Uh, the Bucks were seven and five last year before winning all their games. And so teams will change midseason. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out what happens here with the Seahawks and Rams. Uh, Danny, thank you for your time coming back and uh, talking. Yeah. Seahawks and Rams. Uh, any parting words or plugs? Mm. Listen to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Uh, and yeah, I'm just excited for this Thursday night game. It's going to be fun. Uh, lots of primetime slots for this NFC. Like there's a really good NFC West. So um, it's going to be any, fun to see how this goes. Uh, anybody, any fantasy crushes out there you can share with everybody, guys, that maybe maybe they're getting <laughs> touches right now. Maybe they're not getting touches, but they're going to get a lot of touches. Maybe it's like stash Elijah Moore for a long time. I mean, I like him in Dynasty for sure. I'm I'm a little reticent to say that Elijah Moore in the Jets offense is going to be a big time star in, yeah. in season long fantasy. Um, I think he's really good, but I, the, honestly, the guy that I've been talking about this week is is Robert Woods. I just think the way that they the, the routes he's running, the number of routes they're running, the the fact he's in an offense like the Rams, which scores a lot of points, uh, has a fast situation neutral offense. Like they're running a lot of plays. There's just a lot of fantasy production on the bone there like the meat's on the bone there for robert wood so he'd be a guy that i'm still buying low on i'm i'm losing a little bit of confidence in that but i, I still think it's gonna happen really quick daryl henderson since you're talking fantasy yeah. where's your daryl henderson at i, I really like daryl henderson i think you know he could be for a lot of people like a, a low-key kind of like buy low type guy i guess buy medium type guy because obviously we saw what what he could do last week um However, he is like sort of the definition of a, a fragile mm-hmm. fantasy asset because I think, you know, the reason that they brought in Sony Michelle is because they're worried about him, his ability to stay healthy. He's already gotten hurt once this year. Um, I say as long as he's playing, he's a great fantasy option, like a mid range to high end RB2 type guy, potentially more, um, you know, because like McVeigh just likes to use one guy and, and kind of just roll with it. Uh, but I don't know if I trust him to stay healthy is the problem. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. He's a boom bust guy, but you know, there's certainly going to be booms, I think. And and he's he's looked pretty good in in the yeah. offense. 
Yeah, it is a problem, uh, you know, sometimes with running backs like Cam Akers, it can be a season-long injury, but we sort of overlook the fact that a lot of running backs, it might be just like, you don't know, he's going to miss week four, week seven and eight, yeah. and week 17. And, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Frustrating, you know, yeah. Yeah, in and out. But, um, all right, thank you, uh, Danny, for for joining Turf Show Times uh, Radio, the podcast, and... You can follow Danny on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. Definitely check out the Ringers Fantasy Show and all of that fantasy content, great NFL content from everybody over at the Ringers. So uh, that's it for this episode of Turf Show Times. Please hit subscribe and we will be back, myself and Blaine Didasco, after the Thursday night game. You can also check out Last Minute Thoughts coming up just before the Thursday night game with Rob and JB. That's it. And we will talk to you after Seahawks and Rams this Thursday night.